Thank you for joining me in our study on, on spiritual discernment, learning to discern the will of God for you in all things so that then you can respond in love and obedience to God. Today we're going to look at something that's maybe a little different uh, than you're used to, but in many ways, the lack of spiritual discernment are making decisions, the way we feel about things, the way we think about things, our lack of discernment, it can usually be traced to either a lack of knowledge of the character of God or you know, an unwillingness in some ways to, to really understand what he wants from you and what he wants for you. And that usually traces back to our knowledge of God, of his character. So I want to start with looking at the character of God as a way of looking at the boundaries within which he wants you to operate, that his boundaries matter. That if you're to have life to the full, if you're to experience the fullness of God, then you must, you must be willing to live within the boundaries of who God is and within the boundaries of the knowledge of God that he has revealed about himself. So Jesus, Jesus was um, speaking to Thomas in John chapter 14, and he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So this concept of truth is a boundary based in the very character of God. Truthfulness is the perfection of God's virtue. It's, it's who he is. And it, it relates to us in this way. God perfectly is reliable in everything he says and in everything he does. But he also is reliable in that God sees things as they really are. This is, historically, it's called the veracity of God, the truthfulness of God or the veracity of God. That he can be relied on for what he says, but he's also reliable in what he sees. Now, why is that so important? Because in spiritual discernment, we're saying wisdom is competence in regards to how life really works. So the only one who has a true worldview as to how life really works is God, because God is truthful and is one of his perfections. Listen to what he reveals in Numbers chapter 23, verse 19. God is not man that he should lie, or a son of man that he should change his mind. Has he said, and will he not do it? Has he spoken? And will he not fulfill it? Utterly reliable, absolutely trustworthy because of his truthfulness. This is one of the boundaries of the character of God. So here is New Testament, Hebrews chapter 6. So when God desired to show more convincingly 
to the heirs of the promise, the unchangeable character of his purpose, he guaranteed it with an oath so that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have fled for refuge might have strong encouragement to hold fast to the hope set before us. Again, why do you want to know the boundaries of God? Why do you want to live within the boundaries of God? Is because only within those boundaries is a hope that is steadfast, that is reliable, and that you can live in this fallen world yet with an atmosphere of strong encouragement because it's based on his unchangeable character and it's based on the fact that it is impossible for God to lie. See, hope is not hope if it's just wishful thinking. Hope is only really hope if it is certainty about the future. Biblical hope is always based in things that cannot and will not change. And only those things spoken by God have that kind of character. So, I like, when I'm thinking about discernment, I like to go deeper into the very nature of God. Because that's where my true discernment is rooted and grounded. So, this aspect of truthfulness and, and, and the truthfulness of God is really the pillar of our faith. Our faith doesn't make it true. It's true, therefore we can base our entire lives on it. See, were God not a God of truth, then we could not believe him, and our faith would be an empty dream. Our faith cannot make God's God true, but our faith can be steadfast because God is true, but more than that, he is truth himself. Jesus said, I am the, the truth. Not a truth. I'm not telling you truth. I am the truth. Not a word, therefore, which God has spoken will ever fall to the ground. See, the truth of God becomes the object of trust. Why do I want to gear my life to spiritually discern and see what God is doing in all things? Because by doing so, I have something I can trust in. I have something that becomes an immovable rock on which my very salvation and then my life can venture forth from that. Isaiah 59, 15 talks about the truth here on earth or what we humans discern to be truth. And he says, truth fails. Truth on earth fails, but not truth in heaven. One theologian said it this way, God can as well cease to be God as cease to be true. See, it is so integrated into who he is that he is true. Has God said he will do good to the soul who seeks him and he will give rest to the weary? Here is a safe anchor hold. He will not alter the thing which has gone out of his lips the truth of the God of heaven is engaged for believers. Can we have better security? The whole earth hangs upon the word of God's power, and shall not our faith hang upon the word of God's truth? Where can we rest our faith but upon God's faithfulness? 
There is nothing else we can securely believe in but the truth of God. To trust in ourselves is to build upon quicksand. But the truth of God is a golden pillar for faith to rest upon. God cannot deny himself. If we believe not, yet he abides faithful. He cannot deny himself. Not to believe God's veracity is to affront God. He who believes not has made God a liar. A person of honor cannot be more affronted or provoked than when he is not believed and called a liar. He who denies God's truth says that God's promise is no better than a forged deed. Can there be a greater affront offered to God? See, every step that you take outside the boundaries of God's God's truthfulness, God's will for your life, is an affront to God. Basically, it's saying, God, you're not true when it comes to these decisions. God, you're a liar when it comes to my living my life indifferent to anything but your will. That, that's how serious the idea of God's boundaries are. When you step outside of God's boundaries and say, I'm going to do it my way, and I'm going to do what I want no matter what, you're saying, God, you're a liar. And most of us would not consciously say, God, you're a liar. But by our actions, we say, God, you're a liar. I can't trust you. I can't rely on you. So truth and truthfulness, which is basically God's competence in regards to reality. And you know, one of the hardest things for many people is to realize, I don't have an accurate or adequate worldview. Only God does. That's why I seek Him and I seek his truth because this is, this is the boundary of God's character. Psalm 51.6 makes clear to us what delight it is in God when you realize that he is so truthful, you must be truthful. Psalm 51.6, Behold, you delight in truth in the inward being. In other words, nothing hidden from God. Now, he, he knows you already. He's dug deep within to the very bottom of who you are, but yet he delights. It gives him pleasure. Even when what you're saying is confessing disobedience or confessing your, your, your lack of faithfulness, it delights God that you're being honest because finally you're saying, I cannot live outside of the truthfulness of God. And so, here's what the psalmist says. You delight in truth in the inward being, and you teach me wisdom in the secret heart. This is what God wants to do with you. It's what he wants to do with all of us. Is the more that you are honest with him, the deeper he can go in revealing wisdom in the secret place. I see people all the time who are not wise, but foolish, who are never mature, who are not who are not in their faith strong, and usually it's because they are dishonest. They are hiding from God and others uh, their brokenness. They're hiding from God and others because they think, if I can just put a, a, a presentation, an image of Christian. But here it says God desires, God delights in, God takes pleasure when you begin to say, God, you are truth, I will be truthful. You know, 
I mean, it goes along with what Jesus taught in John chapter 4 when he's talking to the woman at the well about worship. He says the Father is is seeking those who will worship him in spirit and in truth. So a real relationship is an inward connection where I'm not hiding what is true. He wants to hear it all. No matter how bad it might seem to us, God wants to hear it all. When we own what is within our own boundaries, when we bring it into the light, by being honest, God then transforms even our deepest shame with His glorious love. So, if we understand how important this part of His character, that He's truthful, is, And we begin to say, I want to live within the delight of God. I want to live within the pleasure of God. That means I have to get get really honest. We've talked for a couple days about how God respects our boundaries. That he even, even, uh, in a way, can do more with an honest no than a fake yes. But you see, if you're going to have relationship with God, just as if you're going to have healthy relationship with anybody, then you've got to begin to respect his boundaries. One of those we've gone into detail just now about his truthfulness. But here's the thing that you must know. God is free. That one of, one of his characteristics is his freedom. And a lot of us, we want, to, we want to talk about our own freedom, but we don't want to talk about his freedom as a person. And it's incredibly important to understand, not only is God truthful, but God is free. And he, he sets the boundaries. And those must be respected. He makes choices, and he even is able to say no to us, because that is his freedom. One of the great documents of Christian history is called the Westminster Confession of Faith. It was written back in the 1600s in England. Here's what these theologians and pastors had to say. God from all eternity did by the most wise and holy counsel of his own will freely and unchangeably ordain whatsoever comes to pass. Now, that I, that's a simple statement that has unbelievable com- complications in regards to its, its reach there. But in some ways, you have to realize that whether God permits something or allows something, or God actively makes something happen, in some way, God is still in charge. And in his freedom, he has made choices to allow things. And in his freedom, he has actively uh, made things happen, such as the incarnation itself of our, of our Lord Jesus Christ, who is fully God but became fully man. So a lot of times when I'm hearing people talk about God, is it, it is as if God is subject to our choices as if he has to respond to us. He has to somehow answer to us and be accountable to us. This is a terrible mistake 
if you're going to live a life of faith. Because if you in any way start to believe that he has accountability to you, you are reversing the roles. And then you are God and he's your servant. Or he, you are God and he's your assistant. And nothing could be more of an example of pride than that. Here's what one very noted theologian said about that. He said, what kind of concept of God do we have that we would say that God is paralyzed by human choices? If his freedom is limited by our freedom, we are sovereign, not God. No, we are free, but God is even more free. This means that our freedom can never limit God's sovereignty. See, in some ways, what happens to a lot of us is we have a really kind of puny view of God. A God who's accountable to us. A God who must do what we want Him to do and be what we want Him to be. Well, that's the God of our imagination, not the God of revelation. You will never truly respect the boundaries of God until you really respect the freedom of God. Now, stay with me on this because you must understand how God has used His freedom. A noted theologian said it this way, God's freedom is not naked sovereignty or bare omnipotence, but it's relational freedom. The freedom in which God, in covenantal grace, gave and gives himself to humanity in order to be humanity's God. God's freedom is not freedom from, but freedom for. God is free to to determine his own being to be God for us in and through Jesus Christ. God's freedom was and is expressed in the gospel. And although God, although surely God's vision and purpose includes all his creatures, God's particular interest concerns his human creature, indicated in his becoming human in his son. How amazing is this covenantal grace of our God. That he takes his freedom and he takes his omnipotence, his sovereignty. And what does he do with it? He uses it all to relate to you. That's powerful. And and what he does is surround you in commitment, his covenantal love. So, If we are to have a real relationship with Him, then we need to respect His freedom. When we try and put Him into binds where He has to do something, not only are we testing His freedom, we are ignoring who He is. He's free, even more free than you or me. When we are angry with God for what He does not do, We're actually not allowing him the freedom to be who he is. In the book on boundaries, it's interesting, the psychologists there state this, this as a truth. Think about this truth. They say, the basic problem in human relationship is that of freedom. We call people bad because they do not do what we want them to do. We judge them for being themselves, for fulfilling their own wishes, 
We withdraw love from them when we do when they do what they feel is best for them, but is not what we want them to do. Well, we do the same thing, the writer said. We do the same thing with God. We feel entitled to God's favor, as if he has to do what we want him to. How do you feel when someone asks you for a favor, but does not give you a free choice, gives you no other way, but you have to do it? This childish entitlement gets many people dissatisfied with God the same way that they are dissatisfied with others in their lives. They hate the freedom of others. This is, this is pretty powerful truth. Taking the, the revelation of God's truthfulness and God's freedom, God's always going to act true to himself, true to his word, utterly reliable in that regard. But he's also going to act in freedom. You get throwing a temper tantrum is never going to affect the freedom of God. You saying, I hate you, God, like a child says to you know, parents because they won't do what the child wants them to do, is never going to move the heart of God either away from loving you, which he has covenantally bound himself to do, but also away, you know, by using tantrums and anger and withdrawal, God's not going to suddenly do what's bad for you or what he has not chosen to do for you because you're upset. And until we grow up and learn that, we'll stay in a level of spiritual immaturity. Sometimes it's really hard to face how broken we are. are. It's scary sometimes to realize that if I'm really going to be healthy, I have to respect not only the freedom of God, but the freedom of others, which means I have to learn to hear no, and I have to figure out whether my yes is yes and my no is no, and whether I'm doing things willingly or if I'm doing them willfully. Let me go on with some of this about God's freedom, particularly as it is regard to boundaries, his boundaries. God is free from us. When he does something for us, he does it out of choice. He is never under compulsion. You cannot make God feel guilty, nor will he ever be manipulated by you. He does things like dying for us because he wants to. We can rest in his pure free love and grace. God never has any hidden resentment that he's holding back, waiting for the moment when he can really dump it on you. No. His freedom means that when he loves you, he loves you out of his freedom, not compulsion. And you can trust and rest in that love. A lot of times, if you take this, this idea of God's freedom and his freedom to love and that he's freely choosing what he does, then you begin to realize that these biblical characters that we have revelation about, these guys had to learn how to run into God's freedom. And they had to learn how to embrace living under his boundaries while yet experiencing their own freedom doing so. 
by embracing God's freedom and respecting God's boundaries. They actually deepened their relationship with God, but they became wiser and their lives became more and more full and satisfying. When you look at Job, Job is angry with God and upset. And, and particularly, he's, he's saying to God, I want, I want my day in court. I want to plead my case with you for almost 38 chapters or so, 30 some odd chapters. But he had to come to accept that God was free to refrain from rescuing him on Job's timetable. Now, the scripture is really clear. Job expressed his anger, he ex- expressed his dissatisfaction, and God was actually pleased with Job's honesty. You see, in all that he, he did and all that was in Job's mind, Job never said, God, you're bad. He, could, he did not make God bad. And in all of his complaining, he never ended his relationship with God. He was always in prayer to God, not just speaking about God. Job didn't understand God, but he allowed God's freedom. He allowed God to do what God was doing. And though he didn't understand, he never withdrew his love from God, even when he was angry. See, what we see in Job and his relationship with God is a real relationship, not a, not a, you know, a pretense of a relationship, but a real relationship. The Apostle Paul talks about having a thorn in his flesh. And, and he talks about how clearly he went to God three times, heal me of this, take, take this away from me. But Paul had learned through his experiences and had learned to accept God's freedom early on in his ministry. There were times when he and Barnabas and he and those on mission with him would say, we're going into this town, but it said God sovereignly stopped him. The Spirit would not permit him to go into those towns. So what he began to do is say, you know, God has boundaries. I need to accept those boundaries. Then when he needed this healing of this thorn in his flesh, and God said, no, I do not choose to love you in that way that you want right now. I choose to love you with my presence. And Paul began to realize that something very deep and profound in terms of spiritual discernment. He says, you know, his grace was sufficient in my weakness. And he began to realize that God's strength was being perfected in his weakness, that even when he was weak, then he was strong, but strong in a completely different way than he had expected. And he did not reject the boundary. He embraced it, and he saw his his weakness become strength. Even Jesus... I, I cannot help when I talk about discernment, you can't help but go back to the Garden of Gethsemane. Jesus, Jesus is utterly devoted to this indifference to anything but his Father's will. And yet, he's about to face being forsaken by the Father, experience what he's never experienced before, separation from the Father. He's not asking, a lot of times when I'm saying, uh, not my will, but yours be done, I'm asking for something that's a little suspect. He's asking to not have to go through broken relationship with the Father, not something 
suspect something beautiful. And he makes his heart known to the Father, but then you see, he would not, he would not turn away from the Father's will. He accepted the Father's wishes, submitted to them, and through that obedience became the source of eternal salvation for all who obey him. Hebrews 5 9. See, if if Jesus had not respected God's boundaries, if he could not hear the Father's no, then we would all be lost. There's so much on this, but I'm trying to say to you the boundaries of God, truth, freedom. In some ways, they also flow out of this aspect where the Bible says God doesn't just have love, but God is love. Why is that important? Well, when the Spirit revealed through Paul what love is, it doesn't say, here's what you should try to be. It's saying to you and me, there exists a love, a love which is a satisfying, fulfilling love. As a matter of fact, Paul says in the first four verses of, three verses of 1 Corinthians 13, that nothing else really counts. That even if you, you know, if you sacrifice everything, even if you, you live in supernatural gifting, but you do not have love, then it's worth nothing, he says. But then he goes into a description, not of how you ought to love, but a description of what love is, which really is saying this is who God is. These are God's boundaries. L- listen to the, the boundaries of love. Love is patient. So if you're not patient, you're stepping outside the boundaries of God's love. Love is kind. So if there's unkindness in you towards others, especially towards God, you've stepped out of the boundaries. Love does not envy or boast. So envying and boasting is saying, somehow love is not enough for me. I need what other people have, and I need other people to respect me on the basis of some performance of mine. It's not arrogant or rude. It doesn't insist on its own way. So when you're insisting on your own way, you've stepped out of the boundaries of God's love. It's not irritable or resentful. So many of us, because our life is difficult and our stresses are many, and because what's being asked of us is a lot, the way we respond is we're very irritable and grumpy. We use sarcasm to keep people away from us. There's resentment, not, not burning rage, but a low level. Why, why does this always happen to me? How can you ask this of me? As soon as I get a little bit ahead, all these things happen to me. That's a, that is a level of resentment underneath that says I'm outside the boundaries of God's love. doesn't rejoice in wrongdoing. I mean, if someone who has hurt you or someone who's disappointed you suddenly has terrible things happen and you begin to rejoice in that, then that says you've stepped out of the boundaries of, of who God is into another realm altogether. Rejoices with the truth. You see that? Love and truth. Boundaries that God has for you. Listen how hard love is apart from God. You can't produce it on your own. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. So you don't, you don't put yourself up to love and say, how, how well do I line up with this? No, 
It's saying, this is what love is. It doesn't say, hey, do your best to be patient. No, it says love is patient. In other words, when I'm stepping outside of this definition, I can't call it love anymore, and I'm no longer respecting the boundaries of God's covenant love, which provide for me, protect me, and give me my truest freedom. And this kind of love never ends. I, so many people will say, just so they can get relationship, you, you know, you can always trust me. I will never hurt you. My love for you will never end. But you see, really what they're talking about is not love. Because if it ends, then it's not love. It was something else. Maybe it was affection. Maybe it was obligation. Maybe it was lust. But it wasn't love. It was probably a transactional kind of conditional love, but it wasn't real love. So, can you see the boundaries of God, truthfulness, His freedom, and His love? Are you allowing God to love you, to freely respond to your prayers? Are you giving Him the space to say no to you, or are you demanding God respond in very specific ways? I've found that to be disastrous. Steps outside of the boundaries. It doesn't respect God's boundaries. It acts as if God's boundaries don't matter. Is there some part of us that says, God, you have to do what I want you to do and and defines God's favor as something I can manipulate? Many of us are disappointed and angry with God because we feel resentful how life has gone. To harden your heart from God is to harden your heart from love, from truth, from freedom. Embracing God's freedom, respecting His boundaries like Job and Paul deepens your relationship with God and it gives you spiritual maturity and faith muscles. Where do you need to trust God right now? Trust in His freedom, that He's doing what is best for you. Trust in His boundaries, that He's the one who will provide and protect you. How will you practically live that out? Paul, over and over again, when he's teaching the churches to pray, he prayed about their knowledge of God. So our prayer today comes from Colossians 1.9. I ask, Paul says to God, that you fill me with the knowledge of your will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding so that I may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing Him, and increasing in the knowledge of God. In Jesus' name, amen.